SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome in to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Are you pumped up? Because it's Super Bowl weekend. If you're not pumped up for this, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to be pumped up for. Christmas for sports betters is what this week is. And today's show is going to be loaded with why it's Christmas for sports betters. Yeah, there's a side. We bet sides every week. Yeah, there's a total. We bet totals every week. What makes the Super Bowl so unique is the prop bets. And not one or two or five or ten or twenty or fifty or a hundred or two hundred. There's like 500 plus prop bets out there. And I've got an expert who's really good at this stuff that we're going to bring in to talk to. And that, of course, is Andy Lang at Bump Sports uh, on Twitter. Andy is going to help us navigate through the Super Bowl from the coin toss to the last play of the game. Good stuff. I look forward to my discussion with Andy Lang. And look, this weekend is all about the Super Bowl. I get it. But when there's a major betting story going on, and I haven't heard anyone cover it all week, I got to cover it on Cover It with Teddy Covers because it's a huge story and no one's talking about it. In the NBA, it started last Saturday. It wasn't any big deal. Memphis beat Orlando. Phoenix blew out Washington. Miami knocked off Charlotte. The Lakers beat the Knicks in overtime. Oklahoma City lost to Sacramento, and Milwaukee beat Portland by margin. And you go back at the end of the day, well, oh, wow, favorites went 6-0 and today. That's good for the favorites in the NBA. And then what happened on Sunday? More of the same. What happened on Monday? More of the same. What was it? Sunday, 7-1. Um, and the only dog to cover was... Dallas, who was a favorite at the opener against Atlanta. The Hawks went off at minus one, and Dallas beat them. That was the only dog on Sundays. Now we're 13-1 and one to the favorites in the NBA. 3-1-1 one one on Monday. And frankly, the only dog to cover was a bad beat. <laughs> it really was. Uh, the Suns had the Bulls dominate. They were up by 18 or 16, and they pulled the starters. Chicago made a late run. 3-1 on Monday. Tuesday, 9-1 and one for the favorites. Wednesday, 4-2. and two. Thursday, 5-1. and one. And I'm taking out the pickums. By the way, the only dog to cover in that 9-1 day was the best team in the NBA. The Phoenix Suns were plus one and a half in Philly. They were a dog, and they covered. That's the only dog that covered all day. So heading into the weekend, NBA favorites are now... 34 wins, 6 losers, 2 pushes since last Saturday. That's huge. Okay? That is absolutely huge. And you don't see stories like this get any media attention. Nobody pays attention to it. You say, oh, last night was a chalky night. 34 and 6 favorites against the spread over a week span in the NBA. Now, it's not like we never see chalky runs in the association. We do. 
one of the things I love to do in late March slash early April is to just bet against the teams that have thrown in the towel. <laughs> and you see a lot of the, the markets really struggle to catch up with the bottom feeders. Um, if they were competing in February and March and then they fall apart, happens all the time. Where you see, you know, uh, the must-win teams and the, the teams that are, are playing with momentum and the must-wins, they do make some noise in April. You do see the chalk sometimes in late-season NBA have some big runs. But when you talk about 34 and 6, all right, over like a week-long span in February, you don't see that all the time. What happened? Why? It can't just be the run itself. You got to analyze, uh, analyze why NBA favorites are doing so well. And I think it's really two factors. Two factors come into play here. First, and maybe foremost, is that we finally saw the tanking team start to tank. You know, uh, whether it's OKC, whether it's Houston, whether it's the Wizards who are trading off pieces, the Pistons haven't played good basketball. Uh, I, I'm using Orlando as my feeler here because the Magic did not make any moves at the deadline. I thought they might trade Harris or Ross or Bamba. They didn't trade any of them. And the Magic have been, you know, a bottom four NBA team all year for me. I got eight teams power rated above, or like below the Orlando Magic right now. <laughs> below. Orlando. And Orlando didn't make a move at the deadline. So it's like all of the bad teams just went from bad to worse. Boom. And mass. And on the other side of the equation, your Suns, your Heat, your Grizzlies, your Celtics, your Cavs, your Mavs, your Raptors, a lot of the good teams have found their rhythm and they're on a roll right now. You put those two factors together, the bad teams all of a sudden and mass starting to tank. The good teams all of a sudden en masse stepping it up. And you get a run like this in the NBA this past week. Don't know how long it's going to continue, but I'm not in any rush to be playing a whole lot of underdogs in the NBA between now and the All-Star break. And that's it. I promise. No more basketball discussion. All show. It's going to be NFL all the time. But we had to bring that up. I had to bring that up. It's a big betting story, and it's getting really overshadowed on Super Bowl week. Andy Lang at Bump Sports on Twitter. He's going to join us next. Cover it. Continue. Super Bowl props. Detailed discussion. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. There's nothing like being informed with all the odds, analysis, and best bets all day long. How do you get that? It's simple. Follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid and at SportsGridTV. You get all the odds, analysis, and best bets all day long. You follow me on Twitter, at Teddy underscore cover. And, of course, you can follow today's guest, Andy Lang, on Twitter, at Bump Sports Andy. Welcome to the program. I hope you studied your Olympics because it's all Olympic coverage all the time this week on Cup. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, Chloe Kim to win was a shoe in, and that's about all I've done on 
on uh, on the Olympics this week. You know somebody. I literally, I, I don't think I can know one person's name who's in the Olympics or who won any medals. Uh, obviously, on Super Bowl weekend, we are not going to talk about the Olympics. And the betting market for the Olympics is really limited. Um, it is not uh, a market that's easy. I'm not going to say it's not easy to beat. Uh, sorry, sorry, there's no markets that are easy to beat. I've known guys who beat the Olympic betting market, but those are guys who have their numbers ready like six months before the games, and they're betting the openers uh, for what it's worth. Andy Lang and I today are going to limit our Olympic betting talk to what we just did. I wanted to have you on this week, Andy, uh, because you are a prop betting expert, and there's nothing like the Super Bowl when it comes to prop bets. We call this week Christmas week for sports bettors for a reason. Talk about how props became your go-to wager and how you became a legitimate prop expert. Well, I had always been interested in props, and obviously got to go back to the infamous uh, William Frigerator Perry, and that was the, the, the birth of sports props, really. Uh, got interested in Super Bowl props, and just a couple years ago started realizing that there were really soft lines in certain sports for player props. Now, there weren't a lot available. But once the domestic books opened, once your DraftKings and FanDuel's and BetMGM's and all those opened up, they started offering a ton of sports props, and that's when the floodgates really opened. So uh, as far as big profitability, it, it, it's, it's been recent, and it's been an explosion now with the markets. You're seeing more and more offshores offer more and more player props. A couple of years ago, there were several offshores that wouldn't offer any. Now, I mean, honestly, we don't, we don't worry about the offshore market at all on this show. This show is about legalized, oh, okay. regulated sports books. We don't worry about how long the national anthem is going to be. We don't worry about whether someone's going to be showing cleavage uh, while they're doing the national anthem. It's all about the legal, regulated bets that you can make here in the United States because that's our target audience today. So uh, I don't mean to cut you off on that, but we're really focusing on the props that people can get down legally on sports books here in Nevada, in Jersey, in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Louisiana, and all across the country where they're betting. Yeah, uh, we got a ton of them, and uh, thank you to, to, to the legalized bets because they've made it a lot of fun. Um, and the lines have been holding strong on a lot of these, so uh, I've been really happy with what I've seen from some of these books uh, over the last couple of weeks. They've made it very accessible and easy for us to, to get money down on them. Sure, and that's the goal. <laughs> uh, that's their goal. They want it to be very easy uh, to make bets. And in, many, in many ways, the hardest thing to do for prop betting week, for Christmas week for sports bettors, is to find the particular wager that you're looking for <laughs> uh, as you go through the apps. Uh, and especially if you're trying to price shop uh, any suggestions for people as they look for any particular wager? Uh, because there are so many prop bets for the Super Bowl. Sometimes they're difficult to track, they're difficult to find on the apps, and it's difficult to price compare from one book to the next. Uh, what suggestions would you offer people in that regard? It is it is overwhelming. Uh, it's been overwhelming for me in the last couple of weeks, and this is what I do for a living, so I can't imagine the, the average person trying to navigate through. Uh, take it category by category. Uh, play, the, play the game out in your head. If you think the Bengals are going to do well in passing, then just focus on Bengals passing props. So now you're looking at 
possibly Joe Burrow yardage. Now you're looking at maybe T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. If you think that this is going to be a low-scoring game and there could be a lot of field goals, the books have done a fantastic job adding kicker props. So now go look at Matt Gay and Evan McPherson, some of their props. It, it, if you just log in and you just see how many hundreds and hundreds of props, it, it, can just, it can blow your mind. So, so take it one category at a time and maybe even one player at a time. I think Joe Mixon is going to have a big game on the ground. Look at his rushing props. So just keep it very, very simple, limit it down, and eliminate all the props that you're not interested in. That's what I've done, just taking it category by category, slow and easy. That way your mind doesn't get pulled in a million different directions. Sure. We don't want anyone's mind to be completely blown uh, after the Super Bowl or better yet, before kickoff on the Super Bowl. And I asked you for a list of props, and we're going to go through a whole bunch of them here on this show today uh, from legitimate prop expert Andy Lang at Bump Sports uh, on Twitter. But I let you pick one. I sent you a whole list, and you sent me back the ones you wanted to talk about, and I was really surprised by the first one you put on the top of that list. And that, of course, is the one that gets cashed before there's any action on the field. That would be the coin toss. Andy Lang, what can you possibly have to say to our audience about the coin toss for the Super Bowl in terms of, even if you're laying reduced juice, you know, some of the books in, uh, here in Vegas, oh, you have to only lay minus 102 on the coin toss. Great. You're still laying minus 102 on a prop that's no better than you <laughs> Ah, yes, the infamous coin toss, probably the most famous bet of any Super Bowl. So, uh, yes, this is not going to be a professional bet. No no professional better uh, would put a substantial amount of money on this. But my opinion is always if you enjoy it, why not? Who am I to tell you what you can and can't bet? So I have a friend who's done a really good job with this. Uh, Him and his family, they do this thing where they get really excited about the coin toss. So they put money on it, and then they watch it and root for it. And if the bet hits... Then they all go out to dinner the next week with the money they won off the coin toss. And if the bet loses, they still go out to dinner and celebrate their <laughs> coin toss, toss, toss dinner. So they made it really fun. Uh, and, yeah, that's, this is what betting on the Super Bowl is all about. Throw a couple bucks on the coin toss. If it enhances your viewing experience, I'm all for it. Just don't go overload on the, on the amount of money you bet on it. Well, at the, at the bottom of the hour, I'm going to talk about a prop bet that – I like for the big game. And you can, it's another bet that's going to be cashed right at the beginning, but it's will the opening kickoff be a touchback? And the difference between that bet and the coin toss to me is night and day. Coin toss is truly random. Will the opening kickoff be a touchback? That's not random necessarily. (laughs) That's handicappable. And I think we have an edge in that regard. So if you're advising people, you know, all right, put a couple bucks if you want to on the coin toss, why not just tell them, hey, put a couple bucks on will the opening kickoff be a touchback because that's beatable. Absolutely. It is. It's it's much more beatable. Uh, But for some reason, people just love betting on the coin toss. So um, you can research the touchbacks. Um, I, I, I like that there will be a touchback, just to be honest. Um, I know people would be worried about Matt Gay because he's been coming up short on some of these kicks. He was injured. 
in uh, the, the, the Tampa Bay game in warm-ups, but he's had plenty of time to recuperate. McPherson is uh, well over 60% of his kicks going touchback. So, um, yeah, it's like you can look up stats on that. Those are the types of bets that I'm interested in, Teddy. And we're just getting started here with Andy Lane. We're going to talk what the first play is going to be. Team to score last wins. Three unanswered scores. Scores in the last two minutes of the first half. Defense and special teams touchdowns. Both teams to make field goals of 34-plus yards. Will a quarter be scoreless? And so much more. You better stay tuned. Yeah, it's Super Bowl weekend. Cover it continues right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network Channel 159, Sirius XM. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The thing that makes this Christmas week for sports bettors, yeah, it's the big game. No question side total all of that but the thing that makes this the special week the unique week the week that really stands out among the 52 weeks during the year is all the props for Super Bowl and I have today obviously here on the show a legitimate prop expert in Andy Lang at Bump Sports on Twitter and Andy before the break we were talking about coin toss and opening kick let's stay with the beginning of the game theme Talk to me about the first play. What kind of edge can we find in the betting marketplace for what the first play is going to be? I'm looking at the pass at plus money. So we look, we just go back to last week. Cincinnati passed on 12 of 20 first downs, and the Rams passed for 17 out of 23 first downs. So immediately we have an edge there. I would I would worry a little bit if Cincinnati gets the ball first because in that second half against Kansas City, they started running Joe Mixon a lot on first down. But what I really like is not only do I think the Rams are going to throw on first down if they get the ball first, but two out of the three games in the playoffs, they've run a set pass to Odell Beckham. So if the Rams get the ball first, don't be surprised at all if this bet cashes when they run like a set slant for a short pass to get Odell involved early. They've done it in two out of three games. So I find a lot of value on the pass at plus 115. That's my play on this one. I certainly wouldn't lay juice uh, on the first play. So plus money, when I get two teams that have shown that they do throw on first down, I like that one a lot. Well, let me ask you this, because my basic handicap of the game is that L.A. wants to run the football. All right, the Rams would be very happy throwing 20 passes in this game and running the ball 50 times. Um, Even though to get here, they were chucking the ball a lot on first down against San Francisco's run defense. Do you think that that game plan carries over, that game plan against the 49er carries over to what we're going to see against Cincinnati? Yeah, it it could. Um, I'll just tell you, I like uh, Acres to have a good game, so I'm I'm with you in the in the rushing. But the the Rams sometimes they do this throw to set up uh, set up the run. So it wouldn't surprise me if they want to get in the Cincinnati Bengals' heads. Hey, we're going to throw. But if you get them thinking throw, 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 maybe Cincinnati does that thing where they rush three and drop eight, and then you're going to see a lot of Cam Akers. But on this first play, like I said, we've seen set set plays to Odell. That's what I'm rolling with. 
Now, you could find, and this isn't something you sent me, so I'm throwing, uh, I love it when you send me what you want to talk about, and then I go off topic and throw other stuff at you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I apologize for that. But the first pass attempt from Burrow to be an incompletion versus a completion, the first pass attempt from Stafford, incompletion versus completion, the incompletes from both guys, I was seeing like plus 180s around town here in Vegas this week on the first pass of the game. You look for the last 15 Super Bowl and first pass of the game for the two quarterbacks, 17 completions, 13 incompletions over the last 15 Super Bowls. And obviously, if you're looking at plus 180 on that prop, you go 13 and 17, you make a fair bit of money. Um, Does that interest you at all? You say they throw a lot to OBJ on the open. Uh, Would you look for an incomplete pass for either QB from the get-go at the plus price, or is that not one that caught your eye? I wouldn't play it on Stafford, but I think you could easily look to play it on Burrow. If he drops back to pass, and that weak offensive line of Cincinnati <laughs> gives gives up, uh, you know, an Aaron Donald rush or a Von Miller rush. You could you could see Burrow throw it away, or you could see him try and chuck it deep uh, for incomplete. I wouldn't necessarily go with Stafford because I think their offensive line is going to hold up against Cincinnati's. But boy, if uh, if Burrow drops back to pass and there's a lot of Rams uh, right in your face, yeah, I could definitely see value on Burrow throwing an incomplete pass to start off with. So here's a prop that's 12 and 0 in the last 12 Super Bowls, 14 and 1 in the last 15 Super Bowls, and the one that it didn't cash in as bad a beat as you'll ever find. That is team to score last wins the game. 12 and 0 last 12, 14 and 1 last 15. The only loser in the last 15 Super Bowls in this prop was when the Baltimore Ravens took an intentional safety on the last play of the game after the 49ers failed to punch it in on four tries from inside the five-yard line. So, yeah, you do have the the intentional safety, and that was a disaster for books as well. They had to pay out the the 20-to-1s and 50-to-1s on safeties for that game uh, as well. But really a pretty bad beat. Do we expect this trend to continue? Team to score last wins the game. And how much juice do you have to lay with that prop right now? Uh, well, it's a lot of juice because the books have caught on to it. And, you know, if you look at it from the other perspective, like, well, how would I cash a bet on the team to lose the score last? Well, what you're looking for is a blowout when the, the team that's way behind just, you know, garbage time and then the winning team gets, you know, gets to kneel down. Or you're looking at maybe a, a team is up five or four, and the team that's down kicks a field goal and then has to go for a, you know, like an onside kick or something like that. To me, those are pretty rare, or and and circumstances I don't necessarily see. I don't see this this game as being a blowout. I I guess it could. Anything's possible. But with as much juice as you have to have to lay, I wouldn't do it. But I, I will say this. I mean, this is a long, long streak, and all streaks come to an end. I find it really hard that this wager keeps hitting year after year after year. It's going to not hit. The value is on that the team to score last loses. That's the value on it. But this is one I'm going to be staying away for. It's not part of my portfolio this week. Yeah, I, I will say this. You know, and you say it's, it's sooner or later it's going to lose. Uh, all fry, you know, all streaks come to an end. But I'd much rather be riding the streak than trying to predict what year it's going to stop. And it doesn't have to be a blowout. 
for the the other team to for the losing team to score last. Let's just say the Bengals are up ten, and L.A. comes down, and uh, the Bengals are up uh, eleven or fourteen or whatever. Not a blowout. Or the Rams are up, you know, uh, anywhere from uh, eight to four to fourteen points, uh, in not a blowout scenario. But the opposing team scores scores a touchdown uh, to cut the lead without winning the game. So there are scenarios in which the team to score last can lose besides the one you described. But still, this has been one that has been significant moneymaker for those who are betting the yes on that prop over the last 15 years. Either team, three unanswered scores. Now, between these two teams throughout the course of the postseason, six games between them, and in five of those six games, this prop has cashed. Do you expect, and of course, in a postseason where we've seen, you know, again, every game in the divisional round literally came down to the final play. Both games in the championship round literally came down to the final play. So we've seen six straight NFL playoff games come down to the final play, and yet we still see uh, three unanswered scores over and over again in these games. What are we going to do? Either team, three unanswered scores. You lay a little bit of juice, well, a fair bit of juice with the yes. Is that the way you're looking? You remember when this play used to be plus money? <laughs> yeah. This, this play used to be plus money. Now I'm looking at it. Minus 240. Uh, my other time, times have changed. I, every year I look at this and I, I think it's, I say, how, how does three unanswered scores, but it keeps happening? Like you said, two out of three Bengals playoff games, three out of three Rams playoffs games um the books have caught on to this i guess the question you have to ask is the the trends are with you are you willing to lay minus 240 or or have the books uh you know put it into the price or the bar the books making you play or pay an appropriate price to take the yes i I can't go against a five and six trend in the playoffs especially with these offenses and uh where this hits is kind of around halftime if the team scores like going into halftime and then they get the ball in the second half and you get two two cheap ones and all of a sudden you look up and it's cash i have to say yes i know it's juicy but the trends don't lie I, i'll be on the, the yes on this one so you say you know you're not going to bet against this one that's cash five or six playoff games but you want to bet, bet against the one that cashed 12 in a row i know i know i, know, <laughs> I, can't, I can't argue with your saying but um when i look at the when I look at the, the, the team to score, that's 12 years in a row. With this one, sure. I've got a recency. You know, I've, I've, sure. I've got two teams that have done this. So I guess that is probably why I lean to it. But, yes, your argument is, is very valid. <laughs> well, it's not an argument. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just asking. Uh, score in the final two minutes of the first half. we got uh, uh, just about a minute before the break. What are we going to do with uh, score in the final two minutes before halftime, yes or no? Oh, this is a big yes for me. Two explosive offenses. I mean, the Bengals have scored under two minutes in the first half in all their playoff games. So one team has just done that. Uh, and the key to this one is McPherson. Huge weapon for them. Um, I, I look for him to have a, a, a field goal of really really good distance and possibly break a Super Bowl record there indoors. He's money for them. Uh, McPherson would be the guy I would pick to cash this one, actually. Um, Rams can move the ball a lot in a hurry, but this is an absolute yes play for me. Yeah, I mean, McPherson can't cash the prop if the Rams have the football. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, well, we'd like Cincy to have the ball there if you're betting the yes in the last two minutes of the first half, but frankly, uh, I don't think it's that uh, big of a difference. 
between whether one or the other, whether one team or the other has it, if you think there's going to be scoring before the And what's the juice on that prop, uh, Andy? Um, I, I'm looking at minus 165. So, yes, for the score in the last two minutes of the first half. We've still got so much more. Total accepted penalties. Over under 48 and a half combined carries for the two teams. Fumbles. Lost fumbles. Yeah. So much more to consider when it comes to these NFL props. Andy Lang and I still going to break down much more. Please stay tuned during the break. Cover it with Teddy Covers. We'll continue on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network, after these brief messages. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. In 2021, the SportsGrid TV and radio network reached over 150 million fans and bettors via over-the-air broadcast, cable television, connected smart TVs, streaming OTT platforms, mobile devices, and streaming live on the web. If you miss any portion of today's show, please be sure to go back and check out the archive version. You can download it on any of our major, any major podcast outlet. And of course, uh, any lots of the minor podcast outlets as well. Just search for Cover It with Teddy Covers. You can find uh, this episode, tomorrow's episode, and basically, you go back and look at the archives. Anything from the Super Bowl last year through today. If you want to make fun of some prediction I made last summer, knock yourself out. Uh, just search Cover It with Teddy Covers on all of your streaming podcast platforms. Andy Lang, you and I are in the midst of a deep and detailed discussion on Super Bowl props. We've got one segment to go, and we got a bunch of props to get to. So let's start with defensive or special teams touchdowns. This is another one that you see a nice plus price attached to it. The last 15 Super Bowls, this is cashed seven times, and if you're getting two to one, that makes it profitable. But we have a Cincinnati team that's not turning the ball over at all. What do we do with the defensive special teams touchdown this year? Yes or no? I got to go with no on this one. Uh, you said it. I mean, the Cincinnati doesn't turn the ball over. Um, I know Stafford is always, you know, you always worry about Stafford throwing one, but, you know, the, the Bengals only had two of them for themselves all year. The Rams had one. Um, so they're not doing it themselves. And I would worry, I was going to worry about the fumbles. Cam Akers looks like he fixed it. No fumbles last week. Uh, Joe Mixon is a is a, just a non-fumble machine. And uh, you're asking for these teams to turn the ball over and for it to turn into a touchdown. I just think you're asking a lot of it um, from two teams that just don't have a history of doing it this year. I know it's juicy, but um, I don't I don't want to play on a team to turn over the ball and then have the other teams to turn it into a touchdown when they just haven't been doing it consistently this year. So this is a big no for me that there won't be a defensive uh, touchdown. What about the special teams portion of the equation? Are you worried about that at all? No. I, you know, they, 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 they can put Cooper Cup back there uh, to return punts, but these punters are pretty good, and I don't think these, that these coaches are going to want these punters to <laughs> leave the ball inbounds a lot or they're not going to outkick their coverage. I just don't see the explosiveness 
explosiveness from, uh, from special teams from either of these. So I'm going to stay away from, uh, from this one cashing. All right. Sandy likes the no on the defensive uh, or special teams touchdown this year. It is a little bit juicy. Um, but, again, that has cashed eight times in the last 15 Super Bowls. You've been talking about the kickers. Everybody likes the kickers. On Media Row in L.A., everyone that reports, everyone's liking the kickers. Here in Vegas, everyone likes the kickers. And you think we're going to see both teams to make field goals of 34-plus yards in this one. Is this one of these games where we're going to see uh, the two coaches going forward on fourth down a lot? Or are they going to be taking the points? Well, I, you've got two kickers that are really good, and these coaches are, are smart. They're going to use their weapons. So we look at McPherson, and we obviously know, you know, they're already calling him Money McPherson. <laughs> so um, he's really good. And then you look at the other side, uh, Matt Gay. He, he's rested. I touched on this earlier, but he's 32 of 36 from field goals from 30 yards and over for regular season and postseason. So I think he got two really accurate kickers, and 34 yards is, is not very long. I actually think that these coaches are going to be a little bit more conservative going for it on fourth downs. I don't think either one of them wants to be known for the guy who, you know, botched it going for it on fourth and eight early in the game. So I think they use their kickers. I think both of them get over this total pretty easily. So uh, th- both teams make a field goal of 34-plus yards. What's the, uh, what's the juice on that prop? Uh, minus 115 on DK. And uh, let me ask you this: uh, if, if you th- would you take uh, if you think there's going to be field goals in this game, would you take a field goal before a touchdown? You get a nice plus price on that. Um, does that intrigue you at all? Yeah, it, it does actually. Like I said, if a drive sputters around the 35 or 40 yard line, we got great conditions indoors, and you got two kickers who can nail it. I don't think the coaches are going to push the issue too much in the first quarter and the first half. So, uh, at plus money, I would dig that one. Will a quarter be scoreless? What's the history of this prop, and what do you see in terms of Super Bowl 56 if we're going to get 15 minutes of football? without anyone putting any points on the board. Well, I really like that. Uh, I really like to know on this one. Between all six games in the playoffs for these teams, there's been only one scoreless quarter, and that was the first quarter between the Rams and the 49ers. So uh, a lot of points, and it only takes one field goal <laughs> to, to cash a quarter. So I, I really like will a quarter be scoreless. No on that one. These teams have just shown they can move up and down the field and score points at will. And uh, I foresee something like that in this game as well. So, with you know, if you don't like a quarter to be scoreless, does that have you looking at the over for the game, perhaps, or a first half or a second half over, or is that just, hey, uh, I just don't think there's going to be any scoreless quarters? Doesn't mean I'm expecting uh, touchdowns in bunches from start to finish. I, I just, I just like them to score in each quarter. Like I said, these these kickers are are really good from you know way out deep. So. One field goal in the first quarter, boom, you've got your, you know, that's not going to cash the first quarter over, but it is going to cash one of your quarters. So um, I don't necessarily see this one as, a, as affecting my opinion on any of the halves or full game totals. Good stuff from Andy Lang again at bumpsports.com on Twitter. Andy, I got a few more I want to ask you here. Let's start with the shortest touchdown of the game over under one and a half yards. This is a tough one. This has not happened in the last five Bengals games. But the Rams have two scores of under one and a half yards, both of them rushing TDs, but by Matthew Stafford. Uh, that's a good one to, to trick your buddies with in Super Bowl. So that's that out there. 
I, I'm going to sprinkle the yes with a, with a touchdown under one and a half yards. The key being if there's a pass interference in the end zone, he gets there. But he got some really, really good wide receivers with Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham and with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. I could see a pass interference on the end zone, giving him the ball at the one-yard line. And uh, they've got good goal line defenses. Cam Akers can rush in. Obviously, Stafford can. Joe Mixon knows how to sniff out the end zone. So, yeah, I'll take a TD under one and a half yards. And is there juice attached with that prop? Yeah, minus 140. I'll take it. No worries. M- minus 140 on the under, shortest touchdown of the game, uh, over under one and a half yards. Combined lost fumbles. And this is lost fumbles over fumbles. To me, that seems high, but I guess that's the line you got to put out there. If you put it at one, it's going to push. And if you put it at a half, everyone's going to bet the over. Uh, what do you do with lost fumbles over under one and a half? Well, you you just said it. That's the key. Lost fumbles. The team has to fumble it, and the other team has to recover it. So Cincy only lost seven uh, all year, regular season and postseason. Rams only lost five in the regular season. They had that game with where Cooper Cup fumbled, which is rare. Cam Akers fumbled twice. Comes back next week and doesn't fumble. So I I like the under on lost fumbles with with the key, like you said there, Teddy, being lost. If they take out the word lost and it's just fumbles, uh, no chance I'm making this. Uh, but, but you need a lot to happen. You need someone to fumble, and you need the other team to, uh, to jump on it. So uh, I'm going to go under on this one. Yeah, you need, someone, you need someone to fumble twice and the other team to jump on it twice. And what's the juice uh, with that prop? Uh, pulling it up right now. This one has uh, – I'll have to come back to you on this one. Let me pull this okay, one up. Okay, yeah. And for what it's worth, uh, Andy's been talking about a lot of pro- props where you have to lay some juice. I'll tell you this. This is my 25th Super Bowl in Las Vegas. And for fact, okay, this is an opinion. <laughs> this is what I've seen over 25 years. The pros are the ones laying the juice in Super Bowl props. And the Joes are the ones that are taking the plus prices. And I know many professional bettors who are like, yeah, my average lay price at Super Bowl week on these props is minus 280. <laughs> you know? But... If it's minus $2 and it should be minus $4, value for laying the minus $2. You see a lot of juicy props like this one uh, when it comes to lost fumbles over under one and a half. Two fumbles, pretty unlikely. Um, did you find that juice or we should move on to the next one? Uh, move on to the next one. The, the categories have been changed. Yes, I know. Week, so. I know. It's really hard to find a prop. Uh, you're like, oh, let me, let me look for it right here. It's on my air. Not going to happen. Over under 48 and a half carries combined for the two teams. What do we do with this one? I like the over on this one. And you brought it up uh, that you like the, the running game. So I think you're going to be on board with me. So postseason carries per game. Rams 38, 30, and 29. The Bengals, 25, 27, and 18. If you combine both teams low, so that's the 29 for the Rams and, and the 18 for the Bengals, you're just short at 47. So that's the, the, the bottom is what, is what I'm looking at. This is 47. And I really like what Cincinnati did when they committed to the run last week with Mixon. He got over 21, or he got over 20 carries, uh, 21 carries for the game. Akers has looked good. I think they lean on both of them. Um, this is one of my favorite props this week, Teddy. I really, really like these teams to commit to the running game. 40 and a half seems pretty low, and you're getting minus 110, minus 15, uh, minus 115, so you're getting a very fair price. Uh, the numbers add up. If you get a team like the Rams who's rushing 30 times 
uh, and they've done that two out of three games, this is going to fly over. And, of course, the Rams have their full complement of running backs healthy this week. Henderson uh, looks like he's going uh, to be good to go, and I'm with you in theory there, buddy. No question. I think both teams want to run the football out of the gate. The only trouble you might have is if one of the two teams falls behind and gives up on their running game. Let's do one more before we're done, before I ask you for one bettable opinion. Total accepted penalties in this game, over, under, nine and a half. What do we do with that? Uh, well, you're, you're going under on this one. This is the number one and number two least penalized teams in the, the regular season. So I, I look at that and I go, oh my gosh, I get these two teams. Now, last week the Rams only had two accepted penalties. These teams are, are, these, these teams are dialed in. They're, they're buttoned up. Um, they're very organized, and you're not seeing any silly penalties. The only thing that would concern me is maybe some holding penalties along the offensive line for Cincinnati. But I just, I just look at these teams that they don't shoot themselves in the foot. This is why they're in the Super Bowl. So uh, give me the under on this one. I don't see a lot of penalties. And we've seen the referees, as the playoffs have moved on, less and less penalties. So I think I have that going for us. I really like this one under. Now, do you worry at all about the referee crew here? Is this one of these uh, scenarios where you're trying to handicap the, uh, the officials? Or is this simply these are two clean teams uh, and uh, two teams clean, playing clean football were playing under? on total penalties. Two clean teams, and you've seen some of the officiating crews who have not been invited back are the ones that are throwing too many penalties. So the NFL knows that the fans don't like seeing all those yellow flags throughout the game. So I'm, I'm, I'm down with this one. Uh, this one and the 48-and-a-half rush attempts are two of my favorites. Excellent stuff from Andy Lang. Andy, where do people find you? And uh, I was going to ask you for a free play, but basically you're saying people – over over 48 and a half carries, under nine and a half penalties. Two strong opinions from Andy Lang. So where do folks find you? I'm at wagertalk.com. We've got a premium Super Bowl pack that is up, and that'll be updated all the way up until kickoff on Super Bowl. There's going to be some plays you're going to want to wait till Sunday to play. So find me at wagertalk.com. Let's have a great Super Bowl, man. Let's. Thank you so much, Andy. Really appreciate your time and energy today. And hopefully the listening audience got something good from what you brought to the table man lots of props to talk about and we uh, <laughs> i feel like i do a whole nother show right now with more of them cover it continues after this sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid a Radio Network Super Bowl weekend. It is Christmas for sports bettors, and it really is. <laughs> I mean, there's something about this week brings out the energy for everybody who does this recreationally, and the pros go nuts when it comes to Super Bowl week. Because of all the prop bets. People say, how do pros bet the props? What's going on with the props? I can't believe pros are putting this much money on props. There's a couple things to consider there. One is that the professional better is betting both sides of a lot of these prop bets. When you're betting opening numbers, when you're betting line variance, when you have accounts at every book, 
you can get a plus money prop sometimes both ways if you get it at the right time. You know, plus money this way, plus money that way. Little arbitrage scenarios over and over again. You're betting someone over 62 and a half yards and under 68 and a half yards. You get little middles working for you. So it's not like the pro bettors are getting involved willy-nilly with these wagers. Many times they're looking to bet both sides of it at different numbers. I've got one that I like that has nothing to do with what number you, well, you always want to lay less. <laughs> but this is basically a pick and prop. And that is the opening kick to be a touchback. We've heard it on the Pat McAfee show. We talked about it right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. The, ki- the ball they use for the kickoff, the opening kickoff of the Super Bowl, goes directly to Canton after the game. It go not a, right after the play, I should say. It comes out of the box and onto the tee. And that means they don't get to work it. They don't get to scuff it. And McAfee said, it's like kicking a hard chunk of plastic. Opening kick to be a touchback. We love these kickers. We don't love that opening kick to be a touchback. We're betting the no on opening kick to be a touchback. That's going to wrap it for Cover It with Teddy Covers this week. We'll do it again tomorrow. So be sure to tune in right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network.